I want to thank Research FDI for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call with them so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion worth of projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about Research FDI. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic developers. Call them at 514-488-3168 and see how Research FDI can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, Please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Next Move Group. We are Jobs Podcast. I'm your host, CEO of Next Move Group, Chuck Sexton. Uh, it's uh, been a couple of weeks since the uh, the last podcast, and if you remember, uh, if you didn't listen to it, you need to go back and listen to this. Bruce Talkman and I talking about 2023 predictions of the economy, the market, and projects. Uh, it's a good one because Bruce made a, a fun prediction about the college football championship that was completely wrong. So maybe he's wrong about his predictions on the uh, the forecast of the economy this year. I hope he is, uh, because I was I was I had a little bit different opinion. But you can go back and listen to it if you want to. This week, our guest is Eric. Boyles. Eric is uh, Executive Vice President and Chief Economic Development Officer at Tex America Center in Texarkana, Texas. Now, that's on a border, so it's Texarkana, Texas, and Arkansas, both. And here's what's funny. I've always said Texarkana, but I noticed when I was in town last week for site visit, you all kind of, you don't overpronounce the A-R after Tex. It's Texarkana, not Texarkana. Is that right? <laughs> I have to admit, I just kind of say the word and I've not really paid attention to uh, where the emphasis lays. It's funny because you're not from the South. You're you're from a different area um, originally, but it depending on your Southern accent, what state you're from or even portion of a state you're from. Most people say, especially Kentucky, Tennessee, even Mississippi, it's Texarkana, not. But I noticed everybody in the room from around there, from the chamber president uh, to your regional uh, folks, it was Texarkana. So anyway, Eric Voyles is here. Eric, I appreciate you being on the podcast with me this week. I want you to, if, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little background about you, your uh, career so far in economic development, and what led you to Tex America Center. No, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real honor. I really appreciate uh, the chance to, to chat with you and your listeners. But um I'm a, I'm a product of Southern Illinois, um, Southern Illinois boy there in the, the St. Louis area. Um, I got my undergraduate degree in business, um, got my master's in public administration. I was the first person to graduate from the uh, public administration office with an emphasis in economic development um, at the Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Uh, they kind of developed that curriculum around my interest in going into the economic development world as a full-time profession. Um, I started as an intern working for the Riverbend Growth Association, fourth largest chamber uh, slash economic development group in St. Louis area. Um, Worked my way up to be the uh, vice president and then got recruited to go to a, a town in Western Illinois called Gelsberg. Um, when I got to Gelsberg, did a bunch of fun stuff. Um, Primarily because we were going through some of a uh, tremendous uh, uh, loss of jobs. Uh, Maytag shut down. Um, you know, I think the first announcement about the uh, downsizing occurred six days after I hit the, the ground there. 
um, and continued on for 18 months. Uh, the prediction for unemployment was supposed to be 20%. And we did anything and everything we could to uh, avert that. And I'm very happy to say unemployment did not rise above 9.9%. Mm. It teetered right there, never went above that, and then started coming back down. Um, we partnered with the uh, state of Illinois to create an entrepreneurship center there. We, uh, uh, we added more industrial park, uh, developed a 350-acre park while I was there. Um, we did programming with the, uh, the Small Business Development Center out of Macomb um, to uh, try to help people um, get uh, uh, certification. I guess that's probably the wrong word, but there was a uh, we did a re reimbursement. So if you went through and got a, uh, um, a, a I want to say a degree or certificate around um, writing a small business plan, we would reimburse you for the cost of that as a way of uh, trying to get, uh, you know, people because we think, you know, I, I guess it was close to 6,000 jobs in 18 months that was announced in a town of 35,000 people. Wow. You know, it, it, I mean, it was, it had the potential to be dark. Um, so we just did anything and everything we could to try to figure out, uh, uh, we took a donation on a building and sold it to a company from New Ulm, uh, Minnesota to expand to uh, Galesburg, took a donation on another building, created an industrial incubator. Um, we, uh, like I said, we just, the, the board, just took every risk that I could think of um, to try to avert uh, that kind of unemployment in town. Um, That's amazing. You know, a lot it, of times you, you can't get boards uh, to, to take risks. And, and a lot of times the success comes in communities where the boards are willing to burden, uh, take the burden of some risk in order absolutely. to have success. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I, I wound up in Rockford, Illinois. After that, I was recruited to go up there and they were forming their first uh, economic development organization. So I was in charge of national business development, which wound up including international as well, um, launched uh, um, a, a program around aerospace. It was the first cluster development strategy that I really had done around manufacturing. And uh, that turned out really, really well. Um, you know, we went through the recession and, you know, that work around aerospace uh, uh, really uh, produced uh, tremendous work. Uh, it started with little stuff around retraining, um, going after grants to help uh, companies do uh, black belt exercises to improve uh, process control, you know, just little things. And these little things created money and then we were we were suggesting that in the businesses if you were getting money don't go don't go blow it invest it and so there's a company called superior joining that we used again and again and again to explain why you do this and they were the best practice but they invested in a plasma cutter and i don't think there was one in northern illinois and until uh, they got that and then they started picking up additional contracts next thing you know they're doing work for boeing out of st louis and they just exploded and all of that was created or that opportunity was created from cost savings mm. and it, you know so it didn't cost them anything and they wound up going from like a 20,000 square foot building to a 60,000 square foot building and again all created because of of them working on improving their processes to a point where they could afford to invest in new equipment. Um, but it, that, was a, that was a great time, really enjoyed um, a lot of the work we did there. And uh, I got a phone call from a headhunter um, saying, um, with your background, doing the work in Gelsberg and the stuff you did here, I really think you ought to take a look at uh, what uh, this group Tex America Center is looking for. Well, you know, we headhunters, we like to we like to reach out to folks who have good experience. Uh, <laughs> we are we have, you know, obviously Alex, one of our co-founders, um, he runs our executive search division. But a lot of times I'll be the one as CEO if we're having a new search. I just did this this past week. We launched the Monroe County Chamber and I will actually reach out to what we call super connectors. And so I'll reach out to folks in Mississippi, you know, like a Joe Max Higgins, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or a David Rumbard or somebody like that. Uh, who's uh, well-known, well-respected in the state, and knows a lot of folks in the state, does a lot of good networking, and can help us find people who would be a good fit, potentially, 
for, for these jobs. And so we do that within the state. We do it outside the states in, in uh, states that border it as well. And Rockford, by the way, um, <clears throat> I mentioned this on the site visit last week, but, you know, we're doing a strategic plan for your former organization up there, uh, Rockford Area Economic Development. And yes, the aerospace cluster that is in Rockford today is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, it's off the charts, location quotients for how many workers are there, uh, the percentage growth in that sector, uh, in, in that community. And of course, the Rockford Airport has had some tremendous growth on yeah. it as well, not just from the, on the aerospace side, that's really, it's more on the distribution uh, and air cargo side for that airport. And, and I think that community has um, one, a really storied history in manufacturing, and it's a cool town, um, and they have a lot of potential for growth. And so I'm excited to finish that. I'll be going back up there in a few weeks uh, to deliver that. So it's really neat sort of how, you know, <laughs> one, I've connected, you know, St. Louis, we've got staff in St. Louis. We were originally headquartered in St. Louis. That's where you're from originally. Uh, I'm very familiar with uh, SIU. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, oh, yeah. Scott, you were a Saluki, right? Uh, uh, SIU Edwardsville as a Cougars, uh, SIU Carbondale. Carbondale. That's the one. Yeah, that's the one that I was close to uh, growing yeah. up. And, and they had an aerospace program there, actually. Uh, when I did economic development in Paducah, uh, we promoted the aeros some of the aviation maintenance stuff that they had at SIU Carbondale uh, to try to attract uh, projects because it was so close yeah. Uh, to that corner of Kentucky. So it's just really neat how all these connections. And then finally, I get to come over to Tex Americas last week and visit you there. So you get recruited over to Tex Americas, which I want to kind of set this up for the audience. One, we've talked a lot about product development. Yes, and yes. if you heard, Eric, Eric talked about a couple of things here. He talked about product development in a couple of his positions, but he also talked about process improvement. So you don't ever forget that when you're working with existing industry, it's very, very important that you're not just focused on what incentives can I get you today? How can you assist them in improving processes, improving revenue? And really, really what it comes down to is how are you helping them save money and make more money? Those two things, you know, and you can help them save money through incentives, but you can help them save money through introducing them to the right people that can help them improve processes too, which again, helped the company you mentioned earlier, Superior Joining, I believe it was. Yes, uh, sir. Yes, I think that's great. So I want to set this up because Tex America Center is very unique property. And when we're doing site selection, which I'm, I'm handling all of our site selection now, I see properties all over the place. And this one pro just this one project that we're talking about, I reviewed over 100 different sites uh, initially. And Tex America Center ended up with a site visit, one of five so far that we're visiting from a site visit standpoint. So tell the audience how sort of you, you go to Tex America Center and then how that came to fruition. Sure. So um, what was interesting about Tex America Center is um, its, its structure. And um, I'm sure your listeners on the economic development side are gonna understand what I'm saying. You know, the, the problem with economic development is you spend, um, half to three quarters of your day going around passing a hat asking for money so that you can then do a job that also, you know, that job takes you 40 hours. So by the time you get done fundraising and doing your job, you put in 70 hours a week. And I just kept saying there's, this is wrong. You know, there's got to be a way to do this where you can be compensated for the work being done, but still focus on creating quality jobs to a community, have input on making the community a better and more attractive place where, you know, kids want to come back and have a have a, a great future there. And as I started to read through uh, the Tex America job description, it became very apparent that the board here understood a lot of the shortcomings in traditional economic development because they own 12,000 acres. They had already redeveloped the wet utility system and built in excess capacity when they redeveloped it. They had partnered with uh, the power company here, AEP Swepco, and Swepco had taken over the electric system, rebuilt it, and had kept the excess capacity in the substations for future growth. Um, you, you know, we. So we had the ability to get going. So when I got here, one of the first things they asked me to do was to do a strategic plan. That's another piece that in purists out there are going to hate that I'm going to say this, 
Um, but, you know, who understands how to move forward with a community better than the people who are tasked with ask, you know, actually asking others to move forward? So your economic development practitioner probably understands more about how to put a strategic plan together than the volunteers that he asked to come into the room and give input. So we put a plan together that we thought was solid. And then we took it to the community and asked them to critique it. So it wasn't about starting at ground zero. It was about starting with something that could work and asking other people to put more input in. And in 20 years of doing it, we had I'd never been part of doing a strategic plan like that. And it, you know, I don't know where we truly are in it. The, it was uh, late 19, early 20, we did a review. And uh, we had by that time uh, been at this for five years, but we had accomplished I think it was over 80% of all the objectives we had in our five core um, categories of product improvement uh, to make the site more attractive to business and make the community more attractive to business. And it, you know, that was uh, uh, pretty amazing. Um, so some of the stuff was big, 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 hard, hard solves. Um, you know, one of the things is we tried to, uh, we had an agreement with the uh, NICOR gas to bring uh, natural gas onto the footprint. And the agreement said, if you do this, this, and this, we'll bring natural gas onto the footprint. Well, when I did the review, we had accomplished all of the precursors for that contract to be implemented. And so we started trying to get them to go ahead and build natural gas onto the footprint. 27 months later, and a meeting at their corporate headquarters with about 40 people from NICOR and five of us from Tex America Center and Texarkana, they finally said, we're not going to bring natural gas onto your property. Oh my gosh. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. I want to thank LocationOne.com. Some of you know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. In my opinion, Lois is the best buildings and sites database on the market. One of the reasons I think that is it gives you nationwide exposure. So I used to be the economic developer in Paducah, Kentucky, and I made a terrible mistake. I only put my buildings and sites on the Kentucky Economic Development Buildings and Sites database. Well, Paducah bordered Illinois and was within 30 or so miles of Missouri, Indiana, and Tennessee. So what sense did it make for me to not put my bills and sites on a nationwide database? Well, Lois does that for you. Looking back, I should have put my bills and sites on Lois. It's also easy to use for an economic developer. It's just like using Facebook. It walks you through how to insert your pictures and your information and so forth. And the thing I like most it works well on my iPad. If I'm in an industrial building, I want to be able to look at that thing on my iPad. Lois does that for me. Other builders and sites databases struggle with that. So if you got 10 or 15 minutes to spare, go over to location1.com, book yourself a demo, and see if this can help your community have more success. So we just did <laughs> a so about turn. I, you know, the... Uh, the interstate pipeline was enable. I went to enable and enable um, um, was able to direct me to some specialty um, groups that um, um, kind of worked at on. Um, sorry about that. Um, That's all right. Eric's phone's ringing. It's OK. It happens. <laughs> this is and I'm trying to hang it up, but, so. it, but it keeps ringing. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but but I enable was able to direct me um, to a couple of different organizations that might be interested, and we wound up partnering with this great group. They're part of the the Koch uh, brothers family of uh, industries called Navitas Utility Corporation, and they specialize in going in and buying um, utilities that have some kind of an issue that needs to be worked on, and so um, we were able to uh, work with them. Um, they're still buying everything um, from uh, Enable in terms of all the therms that are coming onto our footprint, but we were able to negotiate in 
that for large users, heavy users, heavy industrial users, that uh, they agreed to take a price cut as compared to um, CenterPoint. So we actually beat the, um, the pricing for CenterPoint on the largest customers. You know, they charge more for smaller customers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, our objective was to make sure that we'd be a pain in uh, CenterPoint's side for putting us through that, uh, that hassle. Well, yeah, number one, that's frustrating. Just the, hearing that story and, and what you had to go through and, and then getting the no. Um, those are the things that, that make you want to pull your hair out, which obviously I've pulled most of mine out um, in 15 years of being in economic development. But um, two, I, I think it's great that you all pushed forward and, and didn't take the no as a, well, now we can't get it done. You said, well, we're, we're going to figure it out regardless. We're, we're going to be innovative and we're going to find a way to get this done. Because in in you know, for folks who don't know, know, this site is huge. I mean, there's a lot of available land at, at this uh, site at Texas America Center. Uh, 12,000 acres. It, it, it's crazy. And there's a lot of existing infrastructure that's there that you can build off of, but you still have to get it prepped just like you would any industrial site. And it's a former, uh, the entire acreage was former military, correct? Yes, sir. Um, there were two military bases here in Bowie County, the Lone Star Army Ammunition Plant and the Red River Army Depot. The Lone Star was completely shut down in 2005. We wound up with about two thirds of all that property. And then the Red River has been right sized twice. And so the first time we wound up with 765 acres and the second time we wound up with 2,900 acres. Um, in total, we own about 3.5 million square feet of existing uh, space, uh, ranging from 1940 construction all the way up to we just uh, completed a, a spec building in 2021, which we um, sold in December to a group that we're hoping to make that announcement uh, next Tuesday. Mm, that's great. And I saw you had an announcement this past week as well. Yeah, that, that, um, this, the one that came out this morning. Um, is a little local company called Rocasa Organics. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you know and, but this this is what we do. You know, we this is my my I guess my example of how we are still an economic development group. Um, Rocasa got started on this lady's kitchen table, and when it took over the kitchen, the husband made her move her business into the spare bedroom. And when it started outgrowing the spare bedroom, she wanted to put it in the garage, and he said, "No way." So. <laughs> Um, she found a, uh, a kitchen at a church and convinced the church to let her run her business during the week there. And she would put everything away. Well, it grew to the point where she couldn't put everything away and they couldn't have uh, Sunday dinners, uh, cooked at the church anymore. And so they gave her a notice that you got to get out of here. And that's when we were introduced to her from her banker. So she was in about 500 uh, square feet and for about 250,000, um, we rehabbed a 5,000 square foot building for a business that had been in existence for less than 24 months. No bank would touch that, no other developer would touch that. But um, three years later, they just bought 24,000 square feet from us. There, we are retaining 55 jobs with a promise to create 20 more. Um, because we took a $250,000 gamble to basically uh, build out a, a, a building that we had been um, using as a garage and turned it into an FDA quality structure so that they could produce supplements. That's and, great. Um, you know, we, we made sure that when they uh, did their project, we, we asked them, where do you see, you know, is 24 going to be enough if, as you look down? And they said, no. And I said, so we wound up optioning three more acres for them to put up in another, you know, 30 to 50,000 square foot uh, right next to the 24,000. Um, but that's, as they say, that's the way we roll. You know, it's, yep. it, that's the economic development side of things, right? You know, I, I don't just want to do the transaction. I want to make sure that I keep them long-term, even if, you know, down the road, I might have a better opportunity for that property. It's not as good as keeping who I already have. Yeah. I think um, so. A, a couple of things about that. One, you know, that's that's sort of economic gardening. That's a that's a company that that grew organically there, um, and you all were able to assist them through the resources that you have because of this site. Um, 
two, you know, everybody, you know, the headlines are always real sexy when it's a big company, a big project, you know, a site selector comes into town and brings somebody, but at the end of the day, you have to do both. It's not just about landing those big projects that are, are all confidential. It's about helping those people that are there. And I think, um, one, I want to applaud you for for assisting existing companies and helping them grow because, I don't, you know, there are situations I've been in where, uh, you know, existing companies have not been assisted the way that they should and larger ones than this one. I mean, established companies right. that I've seen not assisted and, um, you know, then they reach out to me uh, to say, okay, you know, maybe help us here. And if we can't get help here, then what we're going to do is we're, we're going to have to have you help us find another location to go to. And, you know, that's a sad thing. You don't want to see that happen. You know, you'd rather see a deal be struck where they can stay and grow where they are, you know, Absolutely. where they call home. And so, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you all did that. The site that you're talking about, that we're talking about, this Texas America Center is so unique. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, sites like it. <clears throat> and, I had some uh, experience hoping to get a site similar um, produced uh, when I was in Paducah, the DOE site there, uh, USEC, it was a uranium enrichment facility. You know, they're in shutdown and cleanup, but there's thousands of acres and massive infrastructure because it was it was built to essentially to be its own city. There's three power plants that serve that site, massive power, rail, uh, self-contained water and sewer systems within that site and footprint. You know, and one day I hope, you know, we had put a plan together to make that into an industrial site at some point. Of course, we all moved on. Uh, I don't know if the community still has that plan, but hopefully they do. They should, certainly. Um, but there's very few sites that have the assets that you do. And here's what's really interesting is I paid a site visit to you last week. We got to see the site. My client is very interested, obviously. Um, but in the last three weeks i've come across three sites only three but they are very unique because there's only one per state that i've seen so far they're the all three of these are in different states you know i had an economic developer reach out to me who has a site that's got military uh former military site uh, they've got some land and some infrastructure doesn't have quite all the assets that you do for that one uh, and then there's another one I actually did a proposal for today. Uh, they're they're going to start marketing a site that's very similar to yours. But again, uh, until we dive into that with assisting with some of their marketing, <clears throat> I'm not sure they have the assets that you do. Because one of the things that impressed me the most was what you've done in being able to assist companies who land at Tex America Center with logistics. I just think that, oh, that yeah, that's yeah. phenomenal. And, and if you don't mind, talk about what you can do from a logistics sure. standpoint. So um, we own over 30 miles of rail on the property. And we had, we'd initially leased that to someone to uh, uh, be a, uh, just a rail car storage area. The idea of growing was not conducive with his business plan of just storing on everything. And so um, it became pretty evident that if we were going to create jobs that were gonna leverage the rail that we had, we were going to have to buy that company out. So about 18 months ago, um, we finalized negotiations. We bought uh, the uh, we we bought none of the liabilities. We only bought assets. We bought the uh, two locomotives. We brought the uh, the employees over, and we bought out the contracts that the uh, the company had, and just re redid it as the TAC Rail division. So um, we we have the ability to offer storage spotting as well as transload. We've, we've have since brought a, a transload company on that's doing rock transload. That's a temporary location. We've identified about a 40 acre spot, uh, which would be ideal for an expanded transload. And we'll probably wind up doing a multi-commodity transload operation there. And if people aren't familiar with transload, it's uh, more what's called manifest um, uh, activity. So it's uh, gonna be, uh, instead of the seagoing containers that most people think about today with rail, it's it's the rail that your mom and dad and your grandparents grew up with. It's boxcar, it's uh, hoppers, it's flat flatbeds, all of all of the you know these things that are moving some type of commodity, um, whether it be for construction or or for uh, manufacturing in 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 some some capacity down downstream. Uh, the other. Th Piece. It almost allows you to be kind of like a port without the water. 
Oh, absolutely. And that that's part of it, right? Because you were talking about aggregates when we were there. You have some aggregates that you're assisting with, but then all like again, all the boxcars and different commodities that you can you can handle from truck to rail right there on site next to where these facilities can be. I think that's right. Well, and you know, anybody in a, a smaller community who's ever ventured to a larger community like a Chicago, and you wonder how it is that I have to give my ground away when they're charging $250,000 an acre for their ground, it's ground, it's all dirt, it's all brown or red or, you know, beige, you know, whatever color. The issue is, is the infrastructure that's close to it. So you put a, and a intermodal facility in close proximity, um, all of a sudden that 30 miles around it becomes worth gold, you know? It's, it's because of the logistics capabilities. And so we also recognize that um, once we get the, the transload really working, it'll be an economic engine that's going to drive people to us just as much as having excess capacity and low cost electricity and low cost gas. Um, and when we get the, the new water plant bent, built, having 30 to 90 million gallons worth of water um, you know, on the footprint, you know, it's, it, it will continue to be a driver that's going to create jobs in the long run for the Texarkana area. Now, the other thing that we did is um, we started a third party logistics business unit. Um, you know, my first brush with uh, 3PL activity was when I was in Galesburg. And I started to kind of understand that uh, it's importance because Maytag used a, a 3PL business there called Derby out of uh, Louisville um, and uh, wound up making really good friends with uh, the gentleman who uh, now is a port um, director in Louisville um, with and is in charge of the, uh, the foreign trade zone there. But anyhow, I digress. Um, but you can start to understand the importance of three PLs because they do several things. One, um, this is the piece I like the best, it allows a company to, um, you know, stick their toe into a market and experience operating under a contract, not a long-term lease, not a, a, a purchase decision. And so they can start to understand if the logistics work, they can understand if the, uh, the, the labor market is everything that uh, it's being talked up to be. So if it, if it works, they may choose to go from a contract with a 3PL group into a lease or a purchase situation with a real estate group. The other component of it is, uh, especially when you're dealing with larger companies where there's a lot of inventory involved, um, you, you may have your people spending 20% of their time actually doing something. After that, you're just paying people to stand around, but a 3PL is going to be able to shave cost plus increase in efficiency because they do it all the time. They're constantly receiving, constantly shipping, constantly managing networks in that logistics supply chain. And typically they bring a better response to your needs than what you can create within your own company. So knowing all of that, when we were trying to figure out how to bring more leads in, we just decided to create a 3PL business. And we got very fortunate that uh, one of our tenants, uh, the gentleman that, that ran it, um, was trying to not do so much traveling and they were a 3PL unit. And so just in conversation with uh, um, John Sessler's his name, in conversation with John, it became very apparent. He would love to spend less time traveling all over the country for his former employer. And we were able to pick him up and brought tremendous know-how um, to the organization. And we've grown to six contracts now in about 24 months with uh, handling 3PL activities for companies in the area. John's an impressive guy. I, I enjoyed his knowledge and, and what he's doing for you all there at the uh, Tex America Center. And, you know, to me, one, that was a big draw for my client, obviously, uh, as you learned uh, last week on the site visit. And you did a really good job on the RFI of giving good, solid information, explaining things really well. Uh, you scored very, very well uh, on the RFI. And I have to, again, brag on you for that because, you know, we we see RFIs a lot from all different states. And uh, I actually taught at the basic economic development course. And this is not to knock anyone, but uh, I taught at the basic economic development course back in August. Um, <clears throat> and they asked me to 
as a site selector to to produce sort of the the rounding out for the week. What what's that project going to be that everybody does at the end of the week? Takes their knowledge and applies it to it. And I did an RFI activity, and the reason that I did it was because, <clears throat> you know, it seems like a lot of times, depending on, and this happens in every state, doesn't matter where it is, we'll get you know missing answers or incorrect answers or, you know, I don't know is an answer. Um, <laughs> And, you know, that doesn't help us, you know, when we're scoring 100 sites, number one, it really doesn't help. Um, but, you know, as, as a site selector, we're going through and, you know, sometimes we'll double check information uh, because we have resources for that, obviously. Um, but two, if we're, you know, on tight time frames, as most projects are today, and, you know, you're not filling out RFIs completely, um, you're not answering questions uh, enough, you're not answering them at all, that can kick you out of the process pretty quickly. And so... You know, I even told our client, I said, you know, uh, Texarkana, Texas America Center, they they did a fantastic job on the RFI. It was the most thorough answers that we got on any of them. And uh, I said, I was really impressed by that. And so I want to make sure you knew uh, that I was as well. I think you did a great job on it. And I'm going to put credit where credit is due. Courtney uh, did a lot of the response on that. So, um, yeah, That's I awesome. will make sure I let her know. How long has she been in economic development? Uh, almost nine months. Um, I, I I have a tendency to kind of push um, for completeness and thoroughness. And so, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a tough learning curve for her, but she's really starting to understand the importance of information and hoarding it does no one any good. And yeah. so, you know, that's, that's been my philosophy from the beginning. I don't, I don't want to have to uh, have someone call me again and say, you know, you didn't really answer this completely and thoroughly. I'd rather, you decide to move on than because I gave you a good answer that explains why you shouldn't be here versus you deciding to move on because I wasn't complete. Yeah. And, and I, I, I feel like I get returned phone calls because I make sure that you know what you can or can't do on my property. And we'll be right back. Hey folks, I want to take a quick minute and highlight our executive search for this week. It is the Monroe County, Mississippi Chamber of Commerce. They are seeking an economic developer with Chamber of Commerce experience to fill the role of executive director. This role will serve as the face of both economic development and Chamber of Commerce programs to business prospects, chamber membership, local citizens, and outside agencies and allies. The executive director's primary role is to provide leadership to the chamber and its partner organizations in the achievement of community and economic development goals. They want that to result in sustained existing industry, new employment opportunities, per capita income growth, and expansion of the county's property tax base. If you're not familiar with Monroe County, it is right in between Tupelo and Columbus, Mississippi. They're right on the Tennessee Tom Bigby Waterway. It's primary inland waterway between Tennessee River and the Gulf of Mexico at Mobile, Alabama. Uh, they have access to the BNSF Railway there. Uh, this is a great logistics opportunity uh, as you're looking to recruit and expand industry in that community. If this is something you're interested in, I highly suggest you jump on our website, www.thenextmovegroup.com backslash Monroe. You can also reach out to me, Chuck, at nextmovegroup.com. I can send you the job profile or any other information you might want on this uh, as well. You can contact Brittany McCoy, our talent recruiter, at 504-615-7174. Uh, compensation and benefits, uh, $80,000 to $100,000 a year. Uh, commensurate with experience, bonus opportunity, health benefits, relocation assistance. This is a really great community looking for someone who is ready uh, to fill those shoes as executive director. You can also reach out to Alex, alex at nextmovegroup.com, if you'd like to learn more about this great opportunity, executive director, Chamber of Commerce in Monroe County, Mississippi. And now back to our guests. Well, make sure and tell Courtney she did a really good job on the RFI. I will. I will. And, absolutely. And I think that's that's an important lesson, I think, for a lot of folks who get into economic development, because maybe sometimes you get thrust into a role and it's your first role in economic development. And you don't have those mentors that can really teach you some of those basic things about, you know, not just answering the question, but answering it thoroughly and giving a good answer that explains because you've done enough of these projects that you know, okay, well, this question may say this, but there's a reason they asked that question and I know what they're looking for. And so we're going to answer this completely, even if we may not have the exact asset that they need. So, um, you know, a good example of that, and I used this example yesterday because I was in Texas again yesterday, <laughs> um, uh, working with one of our community clients. Um and I gave this example of just because you don't have rail on a site 
don't just make the answer no. If you have transload capabilities, make sure and explain that in that answer. Uh, because, you know, in the RFI that I sent out, you know, rail didn't have to be on site. If you had transload capabilities, that's something we would consider. And, and, you know, depending on the answer, it scores differently. When I score it, it scores differently. So if you give a no, it's a zero. Right. Now, if you have yes, it's on site, you get the best score possible. But don't get a zero. We talk about this all the time. You want to avoid as many zeros as possible Absolutely. from a score standpoint. This isn't like golf. You you know, in golf, you want a low score. In right. site selection, you want a high score. So um, well, you all got a good score because you had the transload capabilities uh, there. And the site also had rail next to it. So you kind of had a double whammy there. <laughs> yes, you had rail access directly next to the site you were promoting, plus the transload capabilities there in the park. And so... You know, to me, I, I think, again, you know, you offer something that's very unique uh, in the country right now with a, a large site, a lot of different configurations that you can do for clients. You have good utility access. You're continuing to beef up the utilities that are there. You talked about cheap power, you know, or, or low, low cost. We don't want to use the word cheap. You talked right. about low cost electric power, but you also have reliability. That's something that I would also continue to promote uh, at Texas America Center is you have a reliable power partner in AEP Swepco. American Electric Power, I, I know for a fact, does a very good job of investing in their transmission and distribution yes. networks. And so, you know, and that was a question that, that came up from the client. And you know, luckily, I know AEP very well as a company, just like I know Kansas City Power and Light, Evergy now, and, and all these other Duke and all these you know companies that we work with as power companies, knowing AEP Swepco has good, solid, reliable power, it was a benefit to you all as well. And so being able to promote those things uh, is really great. And then, of course, on the workforce side, you all have a really good workforce story as well. Yeah, um, it's interesting. We're 160 miles from um, Dallas. We're 160 miles from Fort Worth. We're about 190 miles from Fayetteville and, you know, the whole Walmart world up there. And then we do have Shreveport, Tyler, and Longview to the south, which ranges somewhere around probably 90 to 110 miles. But what that does is it puts us much larger of a uh, radius that we can pull from than what you normally find. And because of that, you know, some neat factors is uh, here in Bowie County, 22.9% uh, of the people that work in Bowie County are driving 50 to 75 miles to get here. Um, th that is almost five times the US average of people that normally drive in a market uh, to, to get a job. So we are definitely rural without a doubt, but um, that pushes our labor market out to about 75 miles and it encompasses around 1.1 million people. And um, we're just not creating the jobs for that number of people. And uh, as, as we keep pushing that out, we see things that uh, demonstrate. Um, we had an announcement uh, last January, a company called Expansion Ammunition chose to come here. And when they did their job fair, they had 2000 people show up for it and 1500 people um, applied online for 150 jobs. That's, you know, that's, it, that's awesome. That's, it a, is. that's a great example. And, you know, it just, it, then I'm going to say coupled with that, you know, we have such a great partner with our community college. Um, we were talking about it at the board today um, that they have constantly asked and they asked again because Scott presented to their board yesterday. We, we lease two buildings to them. We have a vocational school on our footprint and we have a truck driving school on our footprint. And so um, uh, the president uh, uses the renewals as an opportunity for Tex America Center to come and give an update on what we're doing to create jobs and talk about our partnership. And so Scott talked about how, uh, um, you know, our, our, a lot of our lead activity was around advanced manufacturing, and we, we were finding that uh, some of what was needed wasn't present. Um, there was no CNC training, there was no PLC training. And all we did was make the president and the board aware of that. They solved that problem in about 18 months, um, went out and got a, a, a grant, built a new 15,000 square foot structure and then populated it. And now we're, we're doing CNC, PLC. Uh, they went beyond, they added uh, training around um, alternative energy. So, I mean, just, it, it's an amazing 
um, uh, partnership, but it, you carry it back, what they're doing is creating pipelines of talent now that need people to come in, employers to come in and hire these people who have these skills. And so, you know, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure back on us in the regional group here, our tech's ready. But, um, you know, we're, we're up for that. And, you know, little by little, we're starting to create more and more jobs. And eventually we won't be hemorrhaging people to large markets. We'll keep them right here. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a lot of great things going for you there. You know, site's very important. Site logistics, having the utilities in place, site readiness, you know, doing some uh, some build ready work on some of those industrial sites that are within the footprint, I think are great. Um, but I'll tell you too, you know, the workforce is, is right there, um, at, right there tied with number one and some of the issues that our, our clients at least are most concerned about right now, especially with all the big projects that are being announced uh, last year across the U.S., I think those will continue this year. You'll start probably seeing some of the big announcements again, I would say probably late summer. Um, those might kick up again. It all depends on really the economy and some of the things that are going on in the market. But um, certainly the supply supply chain is going to continue to have to be backfilled. And so, um, you know, and, and it was really interesting. Not a lot of folks work with their workforce investment board on uh, site visits. Uh, it was something that I did when I was an economic developer because I had a strong workforce investment board. They did a good job. Mr. Spivey, he he did a great job in that in, in the meeting talking about what they're willing to do to work with you and the client and with uh, the training facilities, whether it's community college or whoever that needs to be uh, recruit, screen and train. You know, those are all very good messages for clients to hear. And so, you know, I think it was important for our audience to to hear about, you know, number one, a community has a very unique product going on. Uh, but understanding that, you know, you all have an asset there uh, in that foreign military base that's allowed you all to have some infrastructure that's already uh, sitting there. But it doesn't mean that communities can't uh, develop their own sites and, and, and opportunities for companies. Now, not everybody's going to be able to have an on-site um, logistics uh, uh, assistance from a from a, a redevelopment district like you all are, um, you know, because you're separate. And that's what's that's really also unique about Texas America Center. You're you're separate, but you work with the community and with your regional group as well, because the regional group works across the state line between Arkansas and Texas on the uh, in Texarkana. Um, but I, you know, the lesson I want folks to understand out there is that you can't do too much when it comes to product development, site readiness, workforce development, and doing the things that are necessary to position yourself for opportunities because those opportunities are going to continue to come. Right. And, you know, you all are sitting there with uh, a great asset that I think is going to be successful going forward. Um, and it's something regardless of our project or whatever happens, it's something I'm going to continue to follow, uh, as someone who's obviously interested in the industry and, and seeing these things occur. So, um, and I'll tell you, too, you, you talked about the 50 to 75 mile radius that people are driving in to Texarkana. One thing that really assisted me is Texas's uh, speed limits. I think they're phenomenal. I mean, even on the highways. It's oh, right, right. Hour, but I was able to get to uh, DFW last night uh, in record time. Uh, I thought, you know, because I had a really late meeting. Uh, with our client. And I wasn't going to miss it. I was going to commit to my client more than anything else. If I missed the flight, I missed the flight. That's the way it is. Uh, but we finished up and uh, I took off on 20 and uh, headed towards DFW. And I got there just in time to catch my my nine o'clock flight out and got back uh, uh, my my direction by about midnight last night. So I've got a bit of a reprieve on uh, site visits for now. Uh, I'll head out again tomorrow. So uh, at any rate, uh, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. I want to you and I are going to stick around for a little bit. We're going to end the recording, but we're going to talk. Eric and I are going to talk business here uh, while, while we're together uh, for a minute. And uh, I always like to give our guests the last word. Is there anything else you want to say? Talk about Texas America Center, Texas as a whole, whatever it is you want to talk about here on the podcast, go ahead and throw it out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've kind of worked through solving problems. The problems that we're dealing with now are um, that we need better quality space. So we did a spec building. And now we're hmm. trying to figure out if we want to do another spec building or do we want to focus more on build to suit. So that that's a that's a big one that we got to figure out. And then the other piece that we're trying to figure out now is can we bring some kind of assistance to financing? We're new market tax credit eligible. We're an opportunity zone. So uh, we we just uh, today at our board meeting approved forming a public facility corporation. And we're in the midst of drawing up uh, the, uh, the, the, the legalese to form a CDE. 
And, you know, we're going to use these to help make sure that we can finance our own projects on our footprint, but it also allows us to have a greater reach to help more people. Um, and we can, you know, with our ability to now come off of our footprint, you know, we could help the airport. We, you know, we've actually been talking to our airport about maybe doing a build to suit at the Texarkana airport on the Arkansas side of the state line and leasing it back to a company that wants to do an MRO project there. So, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how we can just keep doing good things for the greater Texarkana area. Um, we want to, we want to service ourselves first, probably, but at the same time, it, it's, it's about just growing jobs and making Texarkana a, a, a better place for um, everyone to live, work, play, and learn. That's smart. I, I think the CDE is very smart because it allows you to be malleable, allows you to do things that maybe wouldn't be able to do otherwise, but it also secures uh, additional funding that comes in to America Center so that you can continue to build out and do the things that you do best. And I think that's phenomenal. There's a lot of great lessons can be learned from the things that you all are doing with that center. Um, it's a good uh, case study, I think, for other areas who might have an asset like that uh, that are trying to get it off the ground. And so, you know, you never know. We might be doing a strategic plan sometime in the next uh, few months or, or year where, you know, we want to get Eric on a call with one of our other clients <laughs> to talk about what you've done. Because, you know, I, I think one of the best things to do when we're doing strategic plans is to show comps of other communities and regions and areas that have done things and accomplished things and show how they did that. And, and a lot of times our clients will end up uh, and sometimes we'll go with them. It depends on how involved we are with the project. But, you know, we encourage them to go and visit communities and to see these things and, and put boots on the ground so that they can really get a sense and an idea of how they can accomplish something great in their own community. So oh, we'd really love to host it. someone here if you ever have that opportunity. Well, I certainly will. I'll hit you up for that. Don't you worry about it. And okay. um, and I appreciate you being on the podcast, sharing what it is that you have done. And uh, folks, thanks for, for tuning in this week. Uh, we'll be back here in a couple of weeks with a new guest on the next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. <laughs>